The Bears have the number one pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. QB1 and, and one. one. The Chicago Bears are on the clock. We're going to evaluate the draft class, and I would say this, I'd have to be absolutely blown away. We understand the magnitude of where we're at in the draft. I do whatever it takes. How about the number one pick with the Bears? Are you ready for people to start questioning whether you're the, the quarterback of the Chicago Bears next I'm year? In. I am. I would trade Justin Fields, and I'm going to draft Bryce Young, who I think is going to be a better quarterback. I'm Justin Fields all the way. I love the kid. What I'm hearing out of Chicago is they're finna package him up, trade him for some other pieces, and then go with the Bryce kid from Alabama. What would Justin Fields do with another year in the NFL and another offseason. It's like you're just going to give up on that. The Bears would be absolutely insane yeah. to trade you. I know there's some really interesting things in the draft, but you have your quarterback built around him. With the first pick, the Chicago Bears select the Parkinson Spiegel Show. Afternoons on the score. Every day leading up to the draft at 3 o'clock, no matter what's going on, we're talking Bears in the offseason. They own the offseason. They got the most cap space. They got the number one pick. And they have Justin Fields. Sometimes we'll bring on a guest like we did to talk about Indianapolis's appetite to trade up. Other times we might try to scout a player like a Will Anderson or a Jalen Carter, bring on an expert for those guys. Other times we might do a deep dive into a position or sometimes it'll just be a hypothetical or something that someone said in the media to spur conversation. But sometimes it might be about a free agent. But we're going to be talking Bears and offseason Ryan Poles hypotheticals at 3 p.m. every day. We've done a couple already about trading down and different ones we did. How low would you be willing to trade down? We yep. did, as you mentioned, a deep dive into the Indianapolis possibilities of what everybody seems to think is the most obvious trade down of one to four. But then this article that came out using some really good measuring sticks was too good not to go down the trade well again. Right. So let, let's uh, how I see us doing this. Let's let's lay it out and then dig into what the uniqueness of each of the offers that could Texans, Colts, Raiders, Panthers. Right. With at, at pro football focus and two, four, seven, nine, two, four, seven, nine. And what they think, based on the grading scale uh, of the value of the pick, what you could get, what Ryan Poles could get for the first overall pick. All right? Yep. I, I thought their methodology was pretty interesting that they used and the surplus, the way they got to that kind of stuff. Yeah. So do you, do you have it in front of you? you I want do. To do I, I, I wrote out the, what the trades are. So right. So go ahead through the me- – yeah. So just their methodology I thought was pretty cool. They used three different things. Um, so they used the PFF trade value chart that they've created themselves. Yep. They used the Jimmy Johnson pick valuation chart. Yep. And they used a third one, which is Fitzgerald Spielberger. I think that's Brad Spielberger, the NFL writer. It's just another trade value chart. And so they mapped out all these previous trades where teams moved up to, you know, to to get into the top three and get here and what they gave up. And what's interesting, the surplus is interesting to me because they valued it all out and did the math and it's all sort of fancy whatever. But in, previ- in, in recent years, teams have gotten more value than they did in, like, the first few trades that they measured because anxiety and importance of quarterback has raised. So I thought that was the interesting thing I wanted to point out. They used three different methodologies, and they found that in recent years, teams have gotten more than what they should have valued based on the combination of all three charts. Basically, the price of the brick is going up. Price of the quarterback brick is going up. Yeah, and so uh, good good thing to point out, and 
You need to have the guy there. It's normally going to be for a quarterback, et cetera. But so let's let's get into the trades. So to the, to trade down to the Texans at two overall, I've seen a lot of Bears fans talk about getting the twelfth pick, which they also own. That's not going to happen. Um, but you could get the second overall pick, their second round pick, which is the thirty third overall. So basically, the exact pick you gave up. You know, uh, just uh, one pick lower than the pick you gave up for Chase Claypool, mm-hmm. and a fourth-round pick, the 104th pick in the draft. So basically, it would be two extra top 104 picks to move down one spot from one to two. And the surplus value on that is very low, only 8.9% above the value. So it's not really getting too much above what the actual charts say. Yeah, in terms of getting, you know, people talk about, oh, if you trade this guy, you're getting 70 cents on the dollar. This right. would be getting 108 cents on, on the dollar. Yeah, this ba- guy makes basically. the comp to this kind of thing when the Bears traded up for Mitch Trubisky, where they gave up a few things Third just, to make sure, right, yeah. just to make sure they got their guy. I called it the insurance policy. The, the day after that draft, you basically were you were paying an insurance on your quarterback to be sure that you get him. But I could see Ryan Poles, if the market isn't great, saying that this is good. Still getting something well, out you, of this and get still getting the guy they were going to take anyway. You get your guy. You get the mea culpa, basically, for the Chase Claypool trade. You get Chase Claypool and the same pick. Yeah. And then you get an extra fourth-round pick. In this year's draft, so what would what would be interesting about this, and I think we should use this as the context of like if they're staying with Justin Fields, I think one of the things they might think about is how many future draft picks do they want, as opposed to trying to get good right now while he's still on his rookie contract, sure, and taking pre- you know players in this draft that they've scouted and scouted by the way while Ian Cunningham is still here. Like, well, you've got the extra brain power mm-hmm. in the room. So that's the, that's the Texans offer. The Colts offer, the one that I think is the most obvious on the board, uh, they put a few extra things into it, which is interesting. Yeah. yeah, they did. So going from one to four, you get the fourth overall pick. You get their second pick. Number 35 overall. You get the first round next year, which is where I kind of stopped it. But they say you'd also get two extra thirds. You get a third this year, 79 overall. And you'd get next year's third from Indy. And that adds up to a surplus value of 24.5% above baseline because the Colts are desperate for a quarterback. And to jump the Texans within their own division. I'll be honest with you, when I read this and saw that, that would surprise me. If the Colts gave up that much? Four extra draft picks to move down three spots. Man. You know, that, 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 that would surprise me given how Chris Ballard is so publicly committed to building through the draft that 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 I always thought it would be the one the two and next year's one I didn't think you'd get either of the extra thirds if you got four picks including a future one Uh to move down four spots I'm telling you right now that's the one I'm gonna like this this is the one that's about who the Colts fall in love with as their quarterback of choice and if they lock in on that one then you're the Bears and you're trying to tell them, well, you know, other teams are going to take this. But if they're okay with a couple of them, yeah. like if he's okay with Levis or Stroud, for instance, which is possible, then Ballard's not going to give you all of that, you know? I don't think so. But if he locks, let's say he locks in on Levis 
And PFF posits that that might be the guy he locks in on because he likes tools. And Levis has the size and, and the big, tools. And, and bigger quarterbacks. So, yeah. I, mean, I was thinking about it. All the quarterbacks that he signed as stopgap guys. We're all big dudes. Brissett, Rivers. Um, they were all, all Wentz. Wet, Wentz all, all, all bigger guys. Right. So, if, so if he decides he falls in love with Levis, then, then, then he's got to be convinced that that's his only guy. Then you can try to sell him that the Texans like Levis too, or another team who likes Levis is going to jump set from seven. That well, kind of and, thing. and I mean, in theory, Ballard is not telling polls which quarterback he likes. Right. So that's where you've got to do but some it, information of, hey, man, the Texans say they've really got their guy too, and Ryan Poles can use some, some half intelligence. Right. You you could put it together. Hey, man. You like big quarterbacks with tools. Yeah. The Texans sent five dudes to Will Levis's pro day. They're they're really in on him too, or, or whatever the case may be. But mm-hmm. then and Ballard said he'd move him out and to go get his guy if he thought Sh- if he thought his guy was there. This would be moving him out. Right. And and as and to jump over the division rival. Yeah. Theoretically, jump over the division rival for a guy that they might like to. Okay, so that is to move to four. Fourth overall pick, second rounder, third rounder. Next year's first, next year's third. Hmm. Now to move down further. Let's move down to seven with the Raiders. You get the seventh overall pick. You get their second round this year. You get your third this year. So you get two extra top 70 picks. You get the seventh pick, the 38th pick, and the 70th pick. And then? Next year's first <laughs> and next year's second. Woo! And that would you be sitting there pretty watching the Raiders, assuming and kind of hoping they would struggle, and you get their one and two next year in addition to yours. Right. So in theory, it could be two. If they were a bottom 10 team, it could be two top 40 picks. Ne- next year incredibly valuable trade ammunition and you'd be trading with a team that is probably going to start a rookie quarterback or a bridge quarterback mm-hmm. and it, and has a very unproven to bad head coach and josh mcdaniels in what should be even though it wasn't this year yeah. the toughest division in football appetizing very appetizing but you're dropping to seven and that means you're probably then going to be looking at tackle or second edge rusher or third edge rusher or third edge rusher or second dt yeah you're you're not going to get will anderson or jalen carter at seven correct you're not getting exactly you're 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 gonna maybe not get best player like you're not you're not getting blue chip but but you're 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 moving in and not that there aren't busts at one and two but you're, you're moving into riskier player this year i'm okay with this if you think you're going to get your best left tackle there, if you think Paris Johnson from Ohio State, or if you think it's Skaronsky, if, you, if you're going to get your left tackle franchise guy at seven, if you think you're going to get that and get all of this, I'm okay with this one. Yeah, if they did a bunch of defensive line work in free agency right, and came into this draft and it felt like, oh, God, they really do need offense, then in theory you could trade down a little bit further. Hmm. What would concern me a little is again the like the impact players for this year um but you still get two extra picks for this year at 38 and 70 and and you're you're pushing it down the road a little cuz you're getting the extra one and two for next year so this feels like a thing where you know you're going to then have to commit to fields and move along and you need cheap labor next year and you've got good picks to have that yeah well so, so fields will be cheap next year regardless but it's coming up. You got yep. you, you got to make your monetary decision on 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 fields next year, and so yeah, I mean that's a lot of draft capital, man. Yeah, it is. And then there's Carolina to move down to nine, <laughs> the ninth overall pick, the second rounder this year, and that's it for picks this year. 
but two extra firsts. You'd get Carolina's first in 2024 and 2025. So that's the ultimate slow play. And that's that number 61 overall. So I don't know if that's a second. Oh, they, that so is it's, their it's, second it's, it's because their, they actually did okay. Right. Yeah. It that, is, but it's 61. So it's not even replacing the Claypool one. No, in it's, that way. Low, it's lower than the Roquan pick from, yes. from Baltimore. That's probably not their, their second round pick, actually. That's what I was thinking. Now that, that I think about it, that's, prob- that's probably a second from, a, from another trade. From another trade because that, 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 that that's all have. the way down because that's, that's, that's in the Philly spot. Right, they do a deal with Philly. I don't know. Yeah, but, uh, so that's that's got to be that's got to be where that is. But but a second rounder and two future firsts. That's the ultimate slow play mm-hmm. trade. That is, we are in no rush to build this thing, but we are going to have extra first round picks yeah. in each of the next two drafts, including Justin's fifth year option season when he gets a little expensive. Yeah, don't love it. Do you? Don't love it. Don't love it. Because I, I don't even know who, I'm, who, who am I picking at nine. Like, what, what am I doing? Second, second tackle, third D, D edge. First receiver. First receiver, if theoretically. You, if you love the receiver. If you, you know what I mean? If you, if you love Jackson Smith and Jeba and or, you go get or, Justin Fields, or, his guy. Or the, the big guy from TCU, Quint, Quentin, Quentin Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. yeah. If, you, if you love the receiver, in theory, you could you – could draft him at nine that would surprise me mm. that would surprise me a great deal but that would listen, it's it's fun to go into drafts with two first round picks you feel like you can get anything and it's fun to go through seasons with two first round picks because every week you're rooting for your team to win and you're rooting for a team to lose so it it's fun to do that one would surprise me my my personal favorite on the board is the indie is the indie trade I, I don't I don't, I don't believe that they would do it but 61 is the Niners pick that they got for McCaffrey. Okay. Thank you. you. Yeah. Uh, that, that pick. What it's the most extra players, the indie pick it's two guys this year and it's still a two extra guys this year. And it's still a first. It replaces the Claypool pick. Cause you're at 35. Yep. It's basically moving down, you know, three spots. You're still going to get either Carter or Anderson. You're getting Carter, right. You're getting a blue chip defensive lineman. You replace the Claypool pick, basically. And you get the two ex- picks next year. And the third pick this year. Yeah, so that's... The, the Indy, of the pro football focus proposals, that's my favorite one. Yeah, I, th- I think, that, I think that's, that's probably true. I do like the one, with, the one to the Raiders is, is appetizing as well. Um, because you, you get a first and a second next year. With Indy, it's a first and a third for next year. And you get number 38, so you, again, are replacing the Claypool area pick uh, as long as you like who you're getting at seven. I'll tell you what, though. I'd be very tempted, if I'm Ryan Poles, to try and do the Texans deal and go to two in the days before the draft and then entertain the possibilities of going down to four or even down to seven. So you're saying make the trade earlier to move down to two yep. and then trading again. So you're assuring yourself of getting some of the stuff, at least something from the Texans. You're assuring yourself of getting two more picks in the top 104, essentially, and you've lost nothing in terms of the, the, the top choice that you have. And then you still can pit team against team against team to come up and get the second quarterback in the draft. Yeah, you could. I mean... Without without a clear number one, 
Like, so somebody, if Ballard's in love with Levis and you convince the Texans that they have to come up and they take Young, Ballard is still dying for Levis and maybe the Raiders are too. And you've got them against each other. Right. Well, then you've got to convince them that someone would be trading with Arizona at three to, to jump Indy, right? Because, yeah. um, like, they, they wouldn't think that they need to jump Arizona to get the quarterback. Right. You, you'd be saying someone is on, right. someone is on the phone. I am going to trade this pick. So it, it's it's a, it's a tougher. It's risky. It's a it, that, that's a that's a tougher game of chicken to play. Do, doable, but you you have to convince them that someone else is is going to be traded. And, right. remember, and remember, like all of this gets adjusted if you're trading down from two. It costs less to move up to two right. on, on the trade value chart and all that. I I want to come out of it with a first round pick next year. So to me, like the baseline is recouping the second this year and getting an extra first next year. Mm-hmm. And so the why Indy always made the most sense was because it was the highest you could remain in the draft and ac- accomplish both of those goals and get a blue chip defensive player in this year's draft. Yep. No, like, like, you know, like, like that, that's to me why Indy has made the most sense this entire time. And then th- so those two third round picks are just that those are that's bonus. That's that's gravy. But I would do it. I would sign up for four thirty-five and next year's first and be happy, even and with this article being out and saying that you should get the two extra the, thirds. The two extra. I I would be fine with quote unquote just that level of draft compensation. Um, but hey, man, you know I'm an offensive guy. Like so, if they come out of this draft without Carter or Anderson, and they draft a tackle or a receiver. And they get a ton of extra draft capital because they move down further. And then the, the first round pick is a guy who's meant to help Justin Fields right, this year. Right. You're not going to hear me complain about if you, it. If you, get, if you get the number one player at a premium position uh, on, on offense, you're not yeah. going to hear you complain about it. Let me stay with my, my, the thought on the double trade. Okay. I really do think that making a deal in the day or two leading up to the draft is going to make a lot of sense for polls. Let's say he goes, makes his deal to four. On the day, you know, a couple days before the draft. And then in his mind, he's thinking he loves seven, you know, or he loves Paris Johnson, loves the tackle. And then on draft night, he's got an option to move even further back, to go from four to seven if yeah. need be, or go from, you know, four to nine using other capital or, or something. Like, keep your options open. He did that multiple times last year. He traded down multiple times last year in that crappy-ass draft to end up with, what, 11 players when he was supposed to have six or seven? I All, think it yeah, was. they were mostly fifth, sixth, and seventh round right. picks, but yeah. But multiple moves to create more options. I'd love to see him make a, make the initial trade a day or two before the draft so he buys himself some more options. Yeah, I mean, he listen, they, they should, if we're doing a radio segment on it every day, he should have every hypothetical and permutation played out that he could make two trades on draft night and, and, and it still work out for him. It, it, it comes down to who's he targeting in the first round. If he's targeting Paris Johnson mm-hmm. and he thinks he can trade down to seven, to five, six, seven, or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, then that's where you should trade down to to get as much draft capital as you as you possibly could. But if Will Anderson and Jalen Carter have much higher grades than Paris Johnson, mm-hmm. I would be wary of passing up on on that because I just I don't think you can miss on this first round pick. You can't go into a draft with the first overall pick and come out of it and not hit on whoever you take first. So if you if if you hit on the guy at for, for, with your first pick and it's the ninth pick, great, because then you got a ton of extra draft capital. But to me, I would trade down to the 
lowest spot where you're as positive as you can be that you nailed the pick. Wherever that spot is in the draft is where I'd be looking to trade down. Today is the day that teams can start to designate franchise tag players, transition tag players. Then we get the scouting combine. That's a week from today. The scouting combine begins in Indy. Um, Franchise deadline day is March 7th for franchise tags. That's also the day the college pro days begin where um, guys can work out at their schools and and there's draft eligible visits and the free agent negotiation period is March 13th. If you're wondering, March 13th is when the negotiation period starts with unrestricted free agents and March 15th is when those signings can be uh, can be fully legal. Sports trying stuff. You know I love it, especially when I don't really care about the outcomes of the game. Something happened over the weekend. I know you didn't see it. I'm going to spring it on you next, and I think I'm going to sell you Mm. on a rule change for my favorite sport that I want to see implemented yesterday. Baseball talk, good. Yeah, coming up on the score. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the XFL. All right, so Speaks, I got a confession. I didn't watch. I didn't watch the game. Which game? The XFL Any game? Any of the XFL games. You didn't watch? I didn't watch. What What happened to your work ethic? I know. What, I, I mean, know. What, what, did, what, did you, what did you do? I I watched the three-point contest, the dunk contest, and the entirety of the NBA All-Star game. Okay, well. But I haven't actually had too much time to watch. So, I didn't watch. <laughs> but. Yeah. You know I love when leagues and sports try new things, and especially leagues that don't matter because we can learn something from them. We see them play it, right? It's like it's a baseball. They're going to do a pitch clock. Hey, where, man, where do they start it? They did it in the minors. I mean, that matters, bastard, saying the minor leagues don't matter. No, they don't matter. Um, what did Theo say to Mully and Haw? They had like like 5,000 games or something like that. 8, it was eight. Yeah. Yeah, 8,000 8, games. They were able to use all these rules uh, in the minor leagues to check them out and acquire data so they can gauge what the uh, adjustment period will be. They matter to the people who are playing them into the local communities and all of that, but they, they do not matter to the... The big leagues. The, bi- the big leagues, the sports consciousness at large. 20 million people aren't tuning in and, and, and watching those games. Mm-hmm. So it's good that the XFL tries some stuff. So, like, for example, they, they have a golden challenge, is what they call it. Okay. Each coach, one challenge. You can challenge anything you want. Any play. That wasn't pass interference? Challenge. That, See, that you, wasn't hold? Challenge. You challenge or, the penalty. You challenge, yeah. Anything. A- anything you want, but you get one of them. But so that so that's just one thing. But how about this? Okay. Golden challenge is that at, at the famous Cubs broadcasters were into golden challenges. I had heard years ago. Take it easy. St. Louis BattleHawks. Okay. We're down fifteen to to three. They were down fifteen to three with two minutes left in the game. All right. So you're down twelve with two minutes left. So here was the sequence of events that happened. Okay. They scored a touchdown. That's six points. They converted a three-point attempt from the 10-yard line. They then converted a fourth and 15 onside kick from the 25-yard line, and then they scored another touchdown with 16 seconds left. Wait, wait, wait. So they got the yeah. ball back and had fourth and 15? So they, they got an onside kick? Hit the play. Now 15 to 12. 
You heard Anthony Beck say it. They are going to elect to go for it on fourth and 15 instead of an onside kick. McCarron buys more time, keeps his eyes downfield, has pro. They converted on fourth and 15. Third and seven. McCarron has a receiver. St. Louis and St. Louis ends the game in improbable fashion. Now, I know I'm the guy who made Chris Tannehill pull, pull uh, flag football highlights from Pro Bowl weekend, but you made him pull XFL highlights? I sent them to him. In fairness, um, so it was it was it was minimal work. Okay, so they and, but, but, but yes, I, yeah, I, yes, I, I did. I had heard about the tiered extra points thing that you can get a two point conversion or you can get a three point conversion. So after a touchdown, teams can choose one of three options, a one point play from the two yard line, a two point play from the five yard line and a three point play from the 10 yard line. So you can and do that. Most teams have been choosing the two point play from the five yard line. But in this scenario, they needed a three point play. But so that's interesting. Uh-huh. And so no extra points. It's just, so who likes to watch kickers? So it's just, you get to go out there and we're going for it every time. One, two, or three, varying difficulty levels based on down and distance. But the onside kick option is you can, you go to your own 25 yard line, 75 yards to go, and you run a play. And it's, if you convert on fourth and 15, you gain 27 yards. You get the ball from the other team's forty-eight yard line. So, so right from wherever, so you get the fifteen. You're at your own forty. You get the you ball. You get to keep playing. Keep if you playing. if you gain twelve, and the other de- and the defense is tired because you just you just scored down, on them, drove down the field, right? But if if you, you gain twelve yards, other team's ball. Sorry, you didn't convert your mm-hmm. onside kick. How awesome of a rule is that? Onside kicks have basically been taken out of the game because of the the run up rule in the NFL. You convert a fourth and fifteen. Yeah, when you do, you keep the ball. Okay, but I'm I'm missing something here. Okay, where do the envelopes come into play? (laughs) It's a good question. The roll top desk comes out. Yeah, no, it's a good point. And then the envelopes. How do you tell the the officiating crew that you want to go? Is it a Manila envelope? It's not perfect. Is it is it padded? Is it top priority, first priority mail? It's 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 not perfect. It's it's FedEx because of sponsorship issues. It could be it could be improved. I was entertained by the football. So you watched? I watched a little bit, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Hey, I brought the TV outside yesterday, and I was sitting on the deck. <laughs> what were you doing on the sitting deck? Sitting on the deck. Oh, okay. You I, d- I didn't swear. He slurred. He slurred the S. He totally No, I did not say that. Oh, we that were concerned not, with the verb, not what yeah, he was sitting on. No. Okay. He, was, he, was, he added an H to he sitting on the deck. He added to S-H-ing on the deck. Erroneous. Erroneous on all counts. Wow. I don't know. No, that's not true. If I was a neighbor, I'd be. <laughs> yeah, it's one thing to leave the dog bags out there. It's I mean, another serious. thing for a human. That's I didn't disgusting. say that. You he have did. roommates. I was sitting on the deck. Me and Tanny both heard it. Wow. Watching AJ McCarron sling that ball over the uh, the pitch. <laughs> the yard. All right. God, it's so uh, stupid. I don't Look know at what the twitch, Shane. Look at the twitch. Uh, he what? said it. He said it. No, I didn't yeah, twitch. You did. I didn't twitch. Everybody heard wow. it. No, I didn't say that. Yeah, you yeah, SH'd no. on your deck. Mm. No, that's not good. I didn't say that. All right. A little deck dookie. All right. <laughs> deck dookie. Uh, what do you think of the rule? I I, uh, 
I like the I like the fourth and fifteen. I think that's fun. I think it's fun because the the onside kick. You're basically hoping that you could solve a really difficult physics problem by <laughs> yeah by kicking the football at a certain trajectory and then getting like a crazy oddball bounce after seven yards so it pops up in the air the right way. I mean, it, so it, it's very very unlikely. It, it this levels the playing field a little bit, makes well, it possible for craziness, makes comebacks more attainable, yeah, makes end of game situations more interesting, more, more interesting. I I think it's great. I don't. What's the downside of the fourth and fifteen try? Of the fourth and fifteen try, what's the downside? Uh, it's another play where guys could run into each other and hurt themselves. No, but it's not an outside kick. It's a. It's a just a. It's the play. Yeah, things you, happen on plays. Things happen on plays. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. But they're they're running a play regardless in that spot where guys could run into each other. And, and the hurt. um, I, I, I think the, the argument the downside, would be downside for them fifteen from the twenty five. If you throw a pass and it's incomplete, then the the other team's in gimme score territory. So you're really giving up a a gimme score as opposed to the onside kick. If it's not completed then they've got it at the 50, and you can still make a stop and, and, and protect yourself. But that's part of the risk. It's easier to get, but it's more detrimental if you, if you don't get it. I might argue to make it the 35. So the, the ending point of, the, uh, of the, the next line of scrimmage is more likely to be corollary to an onside kick and or not just a gimme for the opposing team. But then if you get it, you're... At the 50. Uh, yeah. Or, you're still in no man's land. Or, or further. But yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I, I could see the argument of NFL offenses are getting better, so make it fourth and twenty yeah. instead of, instead of fourth and fifteen. I could I could see that argument. Or if you want fourth and fifteen, fourth and fifteen, I'd go from the thirty-five. So then it's a fifty-two yard field goal right away, as opposed to a forty-two yard very makeable field goal right away. Yeah. So it uh, was it, that the one that you liked the most? I thought it was incredible. I mean, we we can talk about the one, two, and three point play and and eliminating the extra point. Mm. I think the the NFL when they backed it up from a twenty yard kick to a thirty three yard kick brought a little bit of you know suspense in into the extra point. And you know the kickers are part of the union, so wow. they they probably want to have a gig. I'm looking at the list of rules that they've got going on there. They've gone a little crazy, huh? Two forward passes. As long as you complete a forward pass behind the line of scrimmage, you can then throw another forward pass. Yeah, that's right. That's pretty. <laughs> <laughs> Notice I didn't bring that one up. Care to defend that one? No, I didn't, I didn't Care say Care to I revise didn't, your statement, I counselor? Say, I didn't say I liked all of them. I know you didn't. I, I, that is interesting to me. Uh-huh. The idea, like, so Texter says the problem is you did nothing to deserve the ball back to attempt a fourth and 15. It's replacing the onside kick. Hmm. I'll tell you what I do like, and I heard Lawrence talking about it earlier, is their kickoff thing. Because I hate how automatic a touchback is right now in the NFL. Yeah. But I understand their concern for the safety. It, so, puts, it puts the kicking team and the return team five yards apart. No one except the kicker and the returner can move until the ball is caught or right. is on the ground for three seconds. It's an effort to encourage returns and discourage touchbacks. Yes. Uh, XFL teams in 2020 returns 92% of kickoffs. The NFL returns only 40% of kickoffs. Yeah, so I thought that's interesting because I love, I love a good kickoff return. I love the excitement of the kickoff return. But I understand you're worried about, you know, um, players building up 40 yards of steam before they, they bash into people over and over and over again. So I thought they're... Their 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 tweak on that is interesting and worthwhile. Yeah. Okay. I think that that's. Again, I didn't watch, so I don't. I, like, well, talk to, I, let's I, talk to Shane. I saw. I saw. He the, watched while he was 
doing, while he was doing something on the deck. <laughs> he was on I wasn't deck. watching intently, but as on. I was sitting on the back deck with the TV and just admiring my new grill, it was on in the background. You're a big sports guy. You had to have sports on. Apparently. Yeah. Yeah. You nailed it, man. Loves. All right. right. Yep. Another new grill. Yeah. Really? Yeah. What are we at now? Five. Oh, my God. Yeah, I've got a brand new Weber Genesis uh, EPX 355. The same grill that Justin Fields got all of his offensive linemen. He got me one, too. Uh, Wow. You really had some great blocking, though. That's not a gas grill, right? It is a gas grill. It is. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Wow. Yeah, I haven't had a gas grill in a long time. I was going to say, that's a big concession for you. They really are. They start right up, yep. don't they? Real quick. It's amazing. Did a, did a nice Amish chicken from Second City Prime on there last night for dinner. Wow. A little grilled Caesar salad. Is everything you say sponsored nowadays? What are you talking about, man? <laughs> People want to be in the Shane business. Yeah. And it's very clear. Because Listen, business, my friends, is booming. When you're choosing the Amish chicken, is the chicken Some standing there sauce. doing the butter churn? Is it like churning butter while you're doing it? No, but it is building a, uh, an electric fireplace. Okay. That's what makes it Amish, right? Yeah. Yep. All right, good. Chickens that don't drive cars. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Well, so, yeah, except the White Sox. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just registered what you said there. Yeah, that's yeah. okay. Uh, uh, that business will resume eventually. Yeah, of course I missed, it will. I missed it. Yeah. Allegedly. <laughs> of course. Of course. Speaking of the White Sox, we, we're going to talk Cubs and White Sox baseball news coming up uh, at 4 o'clock. But um, – we have a, an update on Speaks. Speaks is going viral for how teams are going to combat the shift. And we have a response from Theo Epstein. We got all sorts of intel on the situation. And uh, we're going to give you the response next on the score. Hey, this is a really well-paced game. It's like Mark Burley's pitching for both teams. That, that, <laughs> that would be just a success. <laughs> All right, we'll talk Elvis Andrews and Cubs pitching and go through some of the baseball news of both teams coming up at 4 o'clock. We are one hour away from Spiegs' 28th favorite baseball player of the last 30 years in Chicago. We're talking about sports trying new things. Yes, sir. Like some of the XFL rules. We know that baseball, after experimenting with these rules over years in the minor leagues, is ready to implement uh, changes this year. Pitch clock, uh, chief among them, but also uh, shift bands, right? You got to have two guys on the infield on either side of second base when the pitch is thrown. And you were talking to someone connected in the game who was giving you some uh, potential workarounds that teams are exploring. I was made hip to this shift rule change counterattack option, which we talked about briefly last week which is that the second baseman and first baseman are playing towards the line on the right side, and the left fielder comes over to play essentially a fifth infielder role in the short grass just to the right of second base. Center fielder then shifts a little bit left, and he'll be asked to patrol both center and left, and the third baseman goes to the back of the dirt and is ready, if need be, to sprint like hell back towards left field and cover that big empty ground there. The concept being you're still daring lefty pull hitters to try and go to the opposite field. And you're asking now a left field kind of super utility guy to essentially be that infielder, and you're, you'd better have a third baseman who can cover some ground and be a runner a little bit. So I sent that out. It got quote-tweeted like a hundred and sometimes whatever. But what was interesting was that it was all different baseball fan bases. So somehow it got into the bloodstream of baseball bloggers and fan bases 
and there'd be a whole bunch of specific things like it, you know, for for some team for San Diego, it's like, boy, if you got Tatis out there in left field, it'd be great to have him come in as your fifth infielder, or sure, you know, like all these yeah, teams, teams were applying to for for Ian Happ, it would be this for our guy, it would be this, right. et cetera. Yeah, uh, sure. Seattle general general manager Jerry Depoto was asked about it specifically on a, on his conference call one day, so it's like. It was everywhere. So I wanted to send it to Theo Epstein. And I sent the drawing to him and asked if this was possible. And I got a response from Theo. Okay. Theo said, using an outfielder to play the shifted infielder role is legal under the rules. And I'm sure that teams will try it. If it becomes pervasive, we have the right and probably the inclination to amend the rule to make it illegal through one of a few different mechanisms. Let's stop there for a second because there's more. So but so what does that mean to you when he says one of a few different mechanisms they could make it illegal? It has to be one outfielder on each side of the center fielder? That well, kind I mean, of thing? That, that, that would be the fix, right? That you could you could say, yeah, there has to be uh, one outfielder on – I mean, the designated left fielder has to be to the left of the center fielder, and right. the designated right fielder has to be to the right of the center fielder, right? The, the outfielders have to play their assigned positions, whatever the case may be. That would be how you write – but – what I think he's saying there is, hey, man, we put these rules in to improve the game. Don't spend too much time circumventing it, circumventing it because players voted against the implementation of this stuff. We, this is not collectively bargained. We can just put our thumb on the scale here and continue to tweak the rules if your whole point is to try to game the system. Right. We have the right and probably the inclination. Yeah, they believe in these rules. Yep, and they're going to make sure that they don't get circumvented by some kind of BS But what, what was the first part he said? He's sure people are going to try, but he- I'm sure teams will try it. If it becomes pervasive, we have the right and probably the inclination. But here's the second part of it, is he addresses the cost of it from a defensive perspective. Quote from Theo Epstein. But I think the cost of going with only two outfielders likely outweighs the benefits of the fifth infielder in all but a limited number of circumstances. So it shouldn't be all that common. But if that's not the case, we'll adjust. So they've thought about it. But, he but thinks, why, why, he why, thinks it's, the, the cost is bigger. But, but why would it be bigger because there's, if you're going to do... Because like, there's extra bases out there in that big wide open corner. Because if, if you... As opposed to moving the infielder? As opposed to a bunt... Which moves, you know, so so an infielder runs over to get your bunt, which is how they used to beat the shift. If this is a if this is a guy, a lefty who can slap it into the corner, then it becomes extra base. It could be a triple, if not a double. Right. So I, I think that's that's the, the the cost is extra. That's why. But co- I, I would on say, defense, but yeah. so like take an extreme guy, right? Like Schwarber, Rizzo. Those are the guys that we've seen the shift deployed against before right i wonder what his threshold is for like if it like i assume teams are going to try it if it becomes pervasive like i wonder if he's like 10 pure pull lefties it happens against but the nobody else has it done against them we're okay with it happening against those guys but like i, I wonder what his yeah. threshold is one guy too many is 10 guys too many is it happening in april okay but june not okay like right. I, I, I i wonder what his annoyance line is yeah it's interesting cuz he he talked about with Molly and Holly repeatedly talked about a 3 to 4 week adjustment period for all these kind of rules so you'll see people trying this in spring training I mean, maybe it becomes so pervasive in spring training that the thumb gets put on the scale then. 
Um, and maybe it doesn't even get to uh, Major League Opening Day that you see it. So we'll see that. That's an interesting question. And then uh, the other cost as a defense is like, man, if your third baseman can't run, you're not going to do this. You know, it's like, and if your left fielder on a given day is Kyle Schwarber or somebody like that, you're not going to bring them over and have them play on the infield and and be confused about about things like that. So I I, I think. It, you've got to have the right defensive roster for this to make sense. And the lefty extreme hitter has to have enough speed for it to be th- worthwhile and enough bat control. So it's still a challenge. I think it's going to make, in my opinion, for really fun experimentation while this happens. And I wouldn't mind if it doesn't get ruled out. If you see it every once in a while. And, and which but it cons- should just happen against – because, like, you could go back when the next batter comes up in the order, right? Yes. It's not like you have to be locked into that spot. So you, I guess I don't you, see why you don't, have, would- you don't have to change gloves because you're not becoming an infielder. Yeah. Is I, so moving the outfielders around, this is one way of how moving the outfielders around. Maybe you'll see a right fielder come and play halfway. A right fielder will come and play that fifth infield spot, and center field and left will both shift, shift over. Towards, towards the right. You'll, you'll probably see that. And and I don't I don't know if then you would want to have a mechanism to uh, to adjust that. The workaround that I'm wondering about is with the pitch clock workarounds because that's the one that I care about the most because I think it's like the one that's actually like in the best interest of the fans uh, of the game. Mm. Can you take the signal not being on the rubber? Can you catch the ball on the grass? Get the call for the next pitch from your pitcher, right? And then walk up to the mound, and then that starts the pitch clock. That's going to upset me if they do that. And, and, and my guess is based on Theo's answer to this. They, they won't at, let that happen. As soon as the ball's in your glove, they'll start the pitch yep. clock. Because that, that, one, that one is just thumbing your nose at the rules and the spirit of everything that you're trying to do. So I assume they will also they will apply the same yeah. threshold to it. It's the other one about, like, you can only have two disengagements of the pitching rubber, which means only two pickoff throws. Once you've gotten to two disengagements – there are people out there who think that some managers and pitching coaches are going to advise their pitchers to just hold the ball for like an uncomfortable amount of time uh, out there on the mound while waiting. Now the pitch clock is gonna it's all gonna yeah, work it together. That, it can't be that uncomfortable. Can't be that long because it's all gonna it's all gonna work together. So those two rules, pitch clock and disengagements, are kind of designed to try and work together. It worked in the minors, man. All of this stuff coalesced to make a faster, more efficient game that was not damaged in the minors. I do have faith that's going to be the case. Our first spring broadcast of the Cubs is Saturday, I believe. Right? That's true. This Saturday. So I think we're broadcasting 10 of them. So uh, only two interruptions for this show for Cubs and Sox. Cubs-Giants, 155 on Saturday. 155 on Saturday. Cubs baseball will be on the air. We're excited about that, of course. Uh, Sox signing leads to Speeg's optimism. There's also some Cubs confusion. On the back end of their pitching rotation, we get into the baseball on both sides of town. Next on the score.